Welcome to the Working Well Podcast. I'm Tim Boris, CEO of Fresh Wellness Group. This show explores the diverse aspects of workplace health and personal performance. On the Working Well Podcast, we dive into the foundations of what makes wellness work in workplaces around the world. We connect with corporate leaders, executives, and industry experts who are helping make life more awesome at work and home. Join us to learn workplace wellness best practices, personal performance tips, and access resources to jumpstart your personal and corporate programs. Charmaine Hammond is a professional speaker and author on resilience and collaboration, and now she's also the executive producer of the Back Home Again film. She lived in Fort McMurray for 15 years and had the opportunity to work on resilience and recovery activities with organizations and school divisions following the Fort McMurray wildfires. Charmaine is an expert on conflict resolution, resilience, positive mental health, and team collaboration. Charmaine helps teams communicate effectively, build trust, and work better together. Michael Mankowski was born and raised in Fort McMurray, Wood Buffalo. He is owner and operator of Alien Cow, formerly known as Wood Buffalo Productions, an award-winning production house based in Alberta, Canada. Michael is a graduate of the University of Lethbridge, Bachelor of Management, and Vancouver Film School 3D and Animation program. Charmaine, Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the Working Well podcast. I'm excited to have you here. This is really awesome. Charmaine, we haven't caught up in a long time, and Michael, first time meeting you, so I'm looking forward to hearing about this exciting project that you have uh, on the go. Tell me about this film. It's being released in the fall, is that correct? Yeah, thanks, Tim, for having us on. It is released in the fall. We've been working on this for five years, so we're very excited to kind of put this out in the world. We've submitted to 30 film festivals, so we're still waiting to hear back on which ones we're going to be premiering at, but uh, we're very we're, we're very excited. Excellent. So five years in the making. This is, this is a big project, and it's a bit of a, a labor of love. Tell me where it started from, and yeah, how it came to prior to the wildfire, I was running uh, a video production company in Fort McMurray where I was born and raised. And I just, you know, won best short film in at the Alberta film and television awards and was kind of gearing up to do a, my first big feature film. And ultimately that was taken away and I was evacuated like everyone else was, you know, I was actually on the line getting ready to, you know, prep that movie and was evacuated from my community. And after that, you know, I was given the opportunity to work with the Red Cross and be one of the first to come into the community and film testimonials of people that were affected by the wildfire. And I recorded over 200 testimonials during that time, you know, as well as the one year, two year anniversary and two documentaries for advice. And I would have done the majority of the community videos around the 2016 wildfire. And, and that's, you know, shortly after that, I actually, I, I, I met Charmaine and had, had the opportunity to picture this project and. We've been working on it ever since. <laughs> Very cool. 200 testimonials. That's uh, it's a lot of footage to go through as well. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a very interesting process because you're, I would film a lot of these videos, sometimes even for other companies. And I found when I did like a little documentary or a video here and there, sometimes it wasn't an accurate representation of our community. So I had a lot of powerful untold stories. So I wanted to take those and tell them from the perspective of animals and what it was like to go through and be evacuated, to be separated from your home and eventually come back and rebuild. And so tell me a bit about some of the, the testimonials that you heard. I obviously it was a massive fire and traumatic experience for everyone involved, but you know, what, uh, what types of really interesting and unique stories did you hear? You know, I got to hear everything from, you know, the mayor, you know, head of Red Cross, all the firefighters, teachers, you know, 
indigenous leaders, fur traders, and kind of everyone in between, you know, just families that were affected, you know, it ranged from, you know, you could talk to a family and a child would tell you about all things lost his bedroom or you go to a school and you talk to a teacher and she's devastated because she's gutting the classroom, throwing out all the kids stuff. She can't give it back, you know, throwing out all the, you know, the memorabilia, the mascot, all the awards. So the sense of normalcy is, and, you know, all the things that we remember, it's gone. And, or, you know, I talked to an indigenous fur trader and even if we rebuild his home, his way of life is gone because he can't get the animals to come back. So it was, you know, it's very powerful. And actually through that experience, I ended up healing. I was struggling a lot of myself. I was affected heavily by the wildfire. And I just, I really felt this was kind of like a, I noticed that I started healing through this process that I wanted to create something, you know, as a way to have a conversation around mental health. And yeah, that's of course a massive mental health challenge. And what lessons did you come out of that with or what healing process did you and the whole community go through. I know like there were a lot of people out there that watched that from a distance on news and you see the news clips, but to really be there and experience it. Yeah. I obviously very different. I think it brought us together. You know, it was just everyone in the community had a shared experience and I think we're all closer because of it, you know, where everyone's like now a neighbor with one another. So I really felt even the people that were extremely affected, like, and, and so much, actually not even just our community, but across Canada, like, I just remember the simple thing of like, I'm evacuated, I've been Edmonton, you know, just can't even describe all the things that are going through my head. And like, someone comes over and buys me a beer, you know, and that simple gesture of like how much that meant to me at that time. And and there's everyone who has that story in our community, like someone who gave them gas or someone who let them stay in a condo for a bit. Like it really was, you know, help across the country. And yeah, so it just, I think it just it was that shared experience that brought us together. Yeah. And Charmaine, how, like, how did you and Michael meet and how did this, how did you start to collaborate? <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories to tell. <laughs> I actually lived in Port McMurray for about 15 years, not at the time of the wildfires, but I was actually called back by some of the social profit organizations and the school divisions to work with the community and organizations in their resilience and recovery process. And while I was there working with some clients, I was introduced to Michael. And at that time, this film was much um, shorter. It was about a 10 minute film. And when he shared his concept and his vision or what I would call his big journey, I knew in that moment, I was a heck yes. It, this project just um, spoke to me on so many levels. I loved the way that Michael talked about his vision of collaborating for this to be a community film. You know, I get emotional when I talk about it, but Michael calls this his his love letter to the community. And that's, that's what he portrayed to me five years ago. But then there was the other part that was really important to was the mental health component. And that Michael saw this project as one, this film as one that could actually inspire people to talk about mental health, not only about mental health related to a forest fire, but mental health related to our everyday living, mental health in the workplace. And it's a topic I've worked in the mental health field for many, many years. And those are tough conversations for many people to have. So 
That's how I met Michael. I, I also uh, know Michael's mom and have worked with his mom on projects. And I didn't even make those connections when I when I first met Michael. So the story is really, you know, it's been five years of working on this project and, and it's changed and evolved, but it's one that I think will really help a lot of people have important conversations. Well, I, I you know, makes perfect sense now that you see it was a heck yes, because your professional background mental health, resilience, collaboration with teams. And that's exactly what the community was going through. So I'd love to hear more of your perspective on some of the nuggets of wisdom that came out of that and the, the lessons that we can pull into this pandemic we're going through now. When I wanted to echo what Michael said earlier about how uh, people came together and so I didn't experience the fire. I wasn't living there at the time, but I was one of those people in a community when, that I watched my own community do things in support of Fort McMurray Wood Buffalo. So for example, I went walking with the dog one day and there was these messages of love on the sidewalk by children with, with sidewalk chalk and paint, just sending good wishes to the Fort McMurray Wood Buffalo region and residents. And so I saw how it also helped tough times, crisis, disaster, forest fires can actually bring people together. And Michael had that shared experience living in Fort McMurray at the time. And, you know, I was one of these external people that also witnessed it. The other, the other piece that, you know, is, is really interesting from our partners with Canadian Mental Health Association and Canadian Red Cross, learning their perspective. And both of them have talked about how Recovering after a disaster is really a journey. It is a long process for recovery. And I know, Michael, you probably see that even just doing all the interviews and then having to watch as you're producing the film, you're watching this over and over again. So it really is a process as we recover from a crisis in our life. And yeah, I think that, does that process ever end? No, I, I think it's a, you know, you're, it's something you, you have to work on, you know, ultimately, especially in our community, you know, they're affected by ultimately the economy and the wildfire, then the floods, and then, you know, COVID recently. So, and I think a lot of us have that shared experience now with COVID of trauma. And, and, and when we started this, you know, we couldn't even say the word mental health out loud. It was, you know, we, we talked about the PTSD, you know, the effects of after the wildfire, you know, mental health was, I feel like a taboo where I think, I feel like in the last couple of years, you know, we see that change now, you know, you have celebrities endorse it, companies, and, and it's okay to talk about your mental health publicly, but, and that's the, op, you know, that's the opportunity we have is, is I think me and Charmaine just hope that this can be the conversation starter to talk about mental health in a healthier way. And hopefully, you know, build these support resources as well, discussion guides and, and an app, you know, with the movie to, to help. But I think we have this great opportunity to, to have that discussion now. Mm -hmm. When I'd say Fort McMurray, from for at least from my perspective, is you know in in a lot of the larger centers, maybe and five years ago it was probably is different with the pandemic. Mental health is much more talked about, but particularly in the the larger larger centers, as you get to more rural and the the oil sands and yep. oil and gas mentality, that wasn't as much talked about. It's we think of Fort McMurray as this you know sort of rough, rough and tumble town. And obviously it's, it's grown tremendously over the years, but it still has that, you know, the roughneck image, right? Very awesome. Yeah. 
and that's yeah mental health in in those types of communities is not as talked about or at least that's my perspective from that has that changed you know well well part of that honestly is i i hope to change a little bit of that perspective and you know fort mcmurray often is as you said you know painted with that brush and 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 i'm not going to disagree with that at all but i i do think there's another side of fort mcmurray too the community side and and that's kind of what I, I try and focus on this is just, you know, the community and coming back as a community. And, and I hope that then we can use this for other communities that are affected by disasters and, and continue that conversation, whether it be in the workplace or, you know, the schools or just, you know, with a family member. I, I think it's just by watching the movie, I hope we can ins- finally have that conversation, of, you know, of healthy of conversation because many people today are, are still struggling in my community. You know, some haven't rebuilt and, and some people don't want to talk about it. You know, we just had the five-year anniversary of the fire. So it's, it's an emotional time for a lot, but ultimately, you know, Charmaine kind of always said too, to me, it's like, it's, you don't have to watch this, but we had to, you know, if we showing that people are still hurting also create shows, there's a need for this. And, you know, we want to create this and put this out there so we can have that conversation. Yeah. Tim, you mentioned something a minute ago that I think is really important to come back to when you were talking about, you know, the world is going through the pandemic right now. And now we're seeing mental health being something that is a topic we can speak to. We're seeing it on the news. We see it, you know, in in our conversations with people. And Michael, you talked about that shared experience of Fort McMurray. So I think that with what everyone is going through right now, it is a topic that we can actually embrace. And, and when you look at the mental health statistics and the research that's being done right now, mental health concerns are very, very high and prevalent and need attention. And that's one of the reasons, Michael, I think you chose animation as the medium to do this film, because I've heard you talk about it where you said that animation um, kind of softens the impact of what people are watching. So that was the strategic on your part. Yeah, you know, ultimately where I was originally approached to create a documentary for, you know, children struggling with PTSD symptoms and also to use that maybe as a conversation to talk to teachers and, and you know, parents and and point them to resources because a lot of people were sick of the format very strong and a lot of branding that was coming out. And, you know, I thought a documentary was too heavy you know, for a lot of that. So I thought it was a great way to take those and stories and infuse them from the perspective of animals. I think that's excellent. And how, how is the community, you said there's still people challenging five years into the process. And I, again, I think that's something that doesn't change, but with the pandemic on top of the wildfires, how is the community coping right now through that? You know, I've heard you know, some overwhelming response, you know, from this, this project and a lot of community members have been so supportive. And just like I mentioned, you know, there's people that are, are hurting. And I think, you know, when you see all the recent wildfires, you know, it's a trigger for a lot, you know, even just watching that news footage. And, and I really tried in this to actually kind of not focus too much on the fire and focus more on the coming back home aspect of this, just to, you know, I, and mostly just to, I even remember, you know, a couple months ago when we were around the five month anniversary, like all those same images that the news continues to play over and over every year is hard on the community. Like they, they don't like that image. We actually ended up, we started the the movie actually on footage I had of leaving the community and, you know, based on feedback from mental health experts, we decided to take out all the real footage of the fire from the film and, and just focus on animation. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
And yeah, I can see how that would absolutely make a difference. You keep replaying one of the most traumatic experiences they've had over and over again. Yeah. You know, and every year it comes out at like clockwork and, and, you know, I know that the news outlets are like, they're doing their part to tell the, the story today and, and it's great. But ultimately when I talk to the residents, I feel a lot of people are triggered by some of those images. Yeah. And so with the pandemic and what we're experiencing now, do you feel that there were really strong lessons learned that people that have helped people cope better right now? Definitely. And, I th- yeah. You, yeah. Go. I, I, you know, I think that, that, you know, I always go back to the shared experience with the start of just my community. And now we all have that, you know, everyone is feeling some sort of, I feel like mental health, you know, you know, strain or, you know, understands trauma better or, you know, just everything going on in New York and everything reminded me even just of our community back when, you know, COVID was going on. It, it's just, I think just shared experience around trauma. It opens the door for us to talk about this in any aspect. And yeah, I just, I, I just hope to inspire people to talk about mental health through this. And I, I think we have, you know, the time is now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, it's really a film about community too. And, you know, Tim, your question and your question got me thinking that right now workplaces, for example, they're sort of, you know, reorientating themselves to working together again, some at these hybrid situations, but as, as companies and businesses and teams come together, there's all those issues that, that may be prevalent for them. And, and I love how Michael in this movie has just throughout has uh, woven in the importance of community because now that message is important too in terms of a world that where people have been physically distanced from one another teams are not necessarily working together in the same office so I think these conversations are important for us in our family and our workplaces and and probably more comfortable now because we've all gone through this together in our own ways. Yeah. yeah. And the one thing I would add just super quick is those workplaces are ultimately at the end, you know, I tried to represent them at the end of the movie. It's, it's, you know, you can't tell this story without industry. And when I came back, you know, it's all the workplaces, you know, the people that are at those companies coming out to do those fundraisers or do this, you know, activity. And those were a lot of the videos I, I did. And, and at the end, I try and show like, you know, a bunch of the animals kind of rebuilding and doing the homes. That's really just based off, you know, different workplaces in the community doing different drives or, you know, donating their time. So it, it's just definitely, and you know, we had some support recently, even just Ikea of showing, you know, little teasers in, in the Ikea. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to work with some of the, the companies and, and, you know, talk to employees and, and just engage others about our store. Absolutely. And Charmaine mentioned something, uh, and I love how you said physical distancing, because there's still so many people out there staying social distancing and community and our connections with people are so important, even if it is online via video or phone, having that connection to the outside world is really important. Mm-hmm. And what are you, what are you seeing with, uh, with companies in Fort McMurray and elsewhere about that connection as people start to reintegrate? Mm. I know I can speak to some of the companies that I work with in different parts of Canada. And and it's been so interesting to hear the different ways that companies and nonprofits and government are bringing their team together 
in a way where people are not physically together in the office. And I, one of the leaders I spoke to, one of their most treasured times in this company, because this was a company where people are coming and going. And But Fridays at 10 o'clock, people always found their way to the coffee room for 15 minutes. That was their one time to get together. And when, when COVID happened and they weren't able to do that physically in the same place, it had huge impacts on their team. In fact, it led to communication breakdowns, increase in conflict. So the leader made Friday coffee. So initially, I think she ordered lattes or something for some of the people to to and had it delivered from one of the delivery services. And now everyone just brings their coffee 10 o'clock on a Friday and they get together. And, you know, I, I look at that example and I think it's great that they've been able to recreate what was important to the team. I've seen numerous examples of that. And, and of course, as people go back to work, back to working physically together in the same office, people will go through change. And again, another change. And we know that change and transition is tough for lots of us. And, and uh, one of the other leaders I talked to, I thought this was brilliant. She said, you know, we've really focused on reminding people about what's not changing. You know, our company values, our priority on wellness and health and safety. And so talking about what's not changing instead of always talking about what is changing. So I'm hearing some really interesting things that companies are doing to help employees return to work and have these important conversations and gel together as a team. What on the, on the topic of mental health and wellness in particularly in workplaces, but communities as well, how is that conversation happening and what have you seen as best practices? that are really working for the companies that are doing it well or the communities that are doing it well? Yeah. Some of the examples of best practices I'm seeing is when leaders or somebody on the team is taking ownership to make sure meetings happen. I remember when COVID, when the pandemic came and people were working um, in hybrid or completely um, distanced formats, some people gave up those opportunities to bring teams together. I talked to one leader and she said her team had not had a team meeting for four months. And I, and when I asked how they would meet when they were working together in the office, they met every other week. And so I thought, wow, you know, and so as soon as she was able to start re-implementing those meetings, she saw that stress went down, communication improved. There wasn't as many balls being dropped, so to speak. You know, they were more on target with productivity and their requirements. So I'm seeing that when people can recreate opportunities for team members to come together, to participate on shared projects, to collaborate more in the work, those things are working really well. I've also seen a lot of companies putting more, I don't know if it's interest, attention, or effort into reviewing policies around workplace wellness and workplace resilience. And that's really exciting for me because I know with, you know, with this project and and Michael's vision, when a company's policies and values support resilience, then it's more likely that they're actually going to have the conversations of the team. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you see that working in a hybrid workplace? You know, if that, if that collaboration and the meeting, you know, ideally in person, how does that happen when some people are not in person? Yeah. How do we keep that connection? 
Yeah. I, it, virtual platforms are a great way. I mean, I even think about our own team, Michael. You and I have not seen each other for a long time, yet we communicate <laughs> daily, every day. Often, yeah. every day. And we do that through uh, platforms like Zoom. Michael deals with all the animators and the team. And, you know, we do that by by virtual platforms like Zoom. We meet with our with our partners. So I think you can really recreate that well when you set it up that way. And and we've been working this way on the project, you know, really from the beginning. Yeah, I think you need, like in some ways, it's the best thing that ever happened to us is this business. You know, I think we could never have done this movie without, you know, some of these things like Zoom and and even just, you know, all the animators are, you know, overseas and in places like, you know, Guatemala or Argentina and, and the producers live in California and the actors live in California in different spots or, you know, some people in New York and Charmaine's in Vancouver and I'm in Calgary and, and how do you organize all these people and also cost, you know, cloud services finally are affordable where we can put terabytes online. So it's like everything kind of led up to this moment, I think in the last couple of years. Uh, but the one thing I do notice is you need good leaders because you don't like when you're in a big group with someone and you see them day to day, it's easy to see who the leader is because you have that shared connection. But when you are online, you don't, you know, you don't, you know, so you really need good people around you to make sure that kind of every, at least in this project, you know, we tried to make sure everyone's an expert in their area and really kind of, you know, do their piece. So you need, you have to have a, almost an extra level of, of trust. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that brings me to the, Part of the resilience side and a huge part of resilience is that the mindset of being able to see the positive side and, and take away learning opportunities and growth opportunities from your situation. So what have been the wins over the past five years? We've had, you know, so many ups and downs, but we've had so many wins, you know, every time we had another actor join on that took years, you know, we started that kind of the first actor, I think Tom at the end of 2017 and finished. Kim Basinger in 2020. So many years slowly getting people. And so all those were wins. And every time we, we had a, a corporate sponsor come on, like Canadian mental health wasn't a fun contributor, but they were a support contributor. And we had so many mental health experts and, you know, the gift and kind has been incredible of, of helping with the resources and, and all the services and, you know, same with Red Cross, you know, bringing, working with Red Cross, who I originally worked with. And a lot of that collaboration is all come to light because of Charmaine. Charmaine has really helped me focus on the mental health piece of this movie and to approach companies that, as she mentioned earlier, that have kind of a similar mandate because the only way we can have the conversation is if, you know, if people watch this, so we need millions of views. We need, you know, Red Cross to, to say that this is a tool. We need Canadian mental health to say this is a tool and they have, and, and now we can, you know, with their support, reach out to people and, and start having that conversation. But all that collaboration, it really organically came to, to light over several years. It, you know, it wasn't fast. It was, it's been a journey, but yeah, it, it happened because of Charmaine. Thank you. So uh, I team effort, I think. Yeah. The other, the other win, I think, and it, Michael, you just kind of clued me into this right now is just the ability to be so flexible and adaptable. You mentioned the project has grown and evolved and changed. And that, that, that's also, I think, been a real win that we've been able to work with this team, the expanded team, which is our partners, our ambassadors, our champions. And everyone is, is 
being flexible and adaptable. And that has really helped move um, this project along. And I would say one of the other wins, as you described it, Tim, is just people bringing their expertise and their ideas to the table. And that's allowed this project to just take on this beautiful form and, and really be one that is, as Michael describes, it's a community project. Absolutely. So when, when people watch the movie, what, what's going to be their takeaway? What are they going to walk away with in terms of perspective, skills, knowledge? Yeah. You know, I hope we emotionally move you. Uh, I hope we make you laugh a little bit. And I hope we remind you that, you know, this is just a community like anyone else going through something. And ultimately for communities that are affected by wildfires and other disasters, I hope to remind them that we're all in this together and have the conversation of, of mental health and, and, you know, in a safe spot. Yeah. Sure. Made anything to add on that? Yeah. I'll just add, Michael was on a panel conversation recently and there was a conversation about mental health happening on that. And I really remembered what Jen from Canadian, Canadian Red Cross said that we're not alone. And it just reminded me about how important it is for us to know all of us as humans, who our support system is, where we can get help and to know that we're not alone, that, that it's okay to not be okay was what Jen said. And and Kevin was talking about, we're not alone. We can ask for help. We can reach out. There's supports there. And I think sometimes in life, and when people hold their own emotional experiences close to their chest, or it's uncomfortable to talk about, the conversation doesn't happen. And so that was a great reminder, I think, about just reaching out, asking for help. It's okay not to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a, thankfully a lot of conversation about that these days. So from a, from a corporate perspective, you know, a lot of our listeners are you know, corporate leaders and, uh, executives. So how can a company use this film to start the conversation around mental health and resilience? Yeah, I think any organization or, or company, you know, especially companies in Alberta and again, places that are affected by, by disasters, I think this is a great tool to share with them. And, and ultimately, you know, this is a Canadian story. It's, you know, I really tried to highlight, you know, all the firefighters ever coming up and, you know, donations and support and, and I think that experience of anyone who's down or might, you know, I know people that would often when we now, even myself, you know, now you're, I'm a little bit triggered myself. So I think anyone, again, in those areas, this is a great opportunity to share with their employees and have that conversation and, you know, their support resources are, are built into that. And yeah, it's also just a thank you message to everyone in Canada. So, you know, any of those regions, whether you're in Edmonton, Calgary, you know, Toronto, there's a lot of help from everyone. So I'll pass the, you know, the, the mic to Charmaine to add on to that. We, we've had conversations with different businesses, government groups, nonprofits, and, and they've expressed interest in doing things like a lunch and learn where they can bring their team together and watch the movie together as a team and have a conversation, whether that conversation be about their workplace or what's going on for them in their own families. You know what? Canadian Mental Health Association is working with us to create these discussion guides. So we'll have things like a family discussion guide and a workplace discussion guide. Because one of the things we discovered with, with this project, and I know from working in mental health for a long time, is one of the challenges we have to overcome is knowing how to talk about it. And sometimes conversations don't happen because people are 
not clear on what to say. How do I talk to a colleague about, are you doing okay? Something seems different about you. So those are some of the tools that we're creating to help people start the conversation. I know one of the, when Michael, when you and I first met, one of, I don't know if you remember this, but one of the things that you talked about was that if moms and dads have these conversations, then they bring them home to the dinner table. They bring them home to the families. And that's our hope too, is that people will have these conversations in the workplace because then they bring it home and talk about it with their families. And that's where we start to see resilience build and change really happen. Yeah. The, the thing I'd add is, you know, David from Canadian Mental Health Association always says like, you know, some of the best, you know, conversations and, you know, mental health happens over, you know, a cup of coffee or the dinner table, yeah. right? So it just, it, it, and that's, you know, what we, we hope to, to do is have those conversations. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Because one of the biggest barriers to moving through a lot of mental health issues is just people feel awkward having that conversation. They don't, as you said, don't know how to approach it. And I think that gets amplified in the workplace because definitely people feel there are extra barriers in places. Oh, it's that's someone's personal life. I don't, yeah. you know, I really shouldn't touch that. And that's from the corporate level as well as the coworker level. Yeah. How, how it's totally tricky to navigate people worry about prying too much where is my boundaries here what can i ask and what can't i ask and one of the things i think is humans and i remember years and years ago i used to work in the correctional system so that was that i was a correctional officer going back in another lifetime but that was a system where people normally didn't come up to you and say tim how are you doing and it, you know, it wasn't in an environment that really talked about mental health yet. The stress level was so high. And I had an incredible leader. His name was John, John Bromley. And when we went through stressful situations, he would come up to us and say, how are you? And we'd usually say something like, oh, I'm doing good. And he'd say, no, 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 that's not what I asked. How are you doing? And so just knowing how to get that conversation going and just to ask a question about how someone's doing is important. And it's also one that I learned some of us actually have to practice. We have to practice building that language into our repertoire skills. And I, yeah, I agree with you. I'd say incorporating that language from the asking standpoint, but also from the receiving standpoint, because there's that, as you said, oh, I'm doing fine. Through COVID, people would say, oh, like, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. Fine is not an answer. Fine doesn't tell us what's going on. And so we have that default response. And sometimes we don't even think that we give that response. So triggering our brain into the awareness of, you know, what are we actually responding to? Are we answering the question and, and being honest about our feelings? Or at least maybe if we don't want to talk to that person, are we saying, yeah, there's something there, but I'm going to talk to someone else? Mm-hmm. What have you seen about uh, how people have been handling that and, and, and in a positive way? I actually had just a real life example several days ago talking to a corporate client. And this, this was brilliant. The individual said, we came to a big aha around COVID is that we just took it for granted that our employees knew our policies, knew the benefit package that they had, knew that we had an employee family assistance program. They signed the form when they start their job. And so this particular company thought that this was a, an opportunity for them to remind their employees that 
they have employee family assistance program or that you could go to HR or you could talk to your leader. And I think that's really important is that when our companies and our organizations have benefits available to people to help them and or their families, that we actually remind them that those benefits are there. Because a lot of times, and I know that from when I used to do mediation and 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 counseling it, with workplaces, that a lot of people, they know that that exists, but they don't know how to access it. And they're not sure who's going to find out. And so this is a great opportunity to remind people what supports are there for them. You bring up a great point too, is, you know, we... We know just from looking at the numbers that a huge percentage of employee benefits aren't used, aren't utilized, particularly as we get into the more, quote, wellness options, the employee family assistance plans, the access to counselors and all the, those different resources. And even though people might be reminded that they're there, what, what else can companies do to help really you can't mandate that they be used, but how can you encourage and make it okay for people to reach out for help? One group I worked with a few years ago, this was pre-pandemic, but I think it's, I believe it's a really good practice is they had internal champions. I think they used a different word, but that was the feeling I got from them. Internal champions or ambassadors. So that was the word that they used. They're eternal ambassadors of, of mental health and resilience. And these were employees, supervisors, people at all different levels in that organization who um, their volunteer role in the company. So part of one of the projects they took on was just being an ambassador for the services. Another company that I talked to started writing about the different supports available in their company newsletter. They did a once a month sort of email blast to all their employees and so forth and and they, another company I was aware of, they actually set up their own internal, they called it their company name in their internal university, where they actually put a lot of resources. Some of those resources were links to resources from an organization like Canadian Mental Health Association or to their own internal resources. And another one, I thought this was just exceptional. They had a weekly message that came on your voicemail from the CEO of the company every Monday morning at seven o'clock. He recorded a message and it went out onto all of the employees' voicemails. And it was just a message about taking care of yourself or, you know, resilience or working together as a team. It wasn't about productivity or meeting our corporate goals. It was about the people. And I thought that was a great way. People looked forward to this message. I heard from employees that they loved Mondays. It started their week off with a reminder about how taking care of ourselves and wellness is really, really essential. Yeah. The one thing I would add quickly to that, I think is sometimes you got to be creative too. You know, mm-hmm. I know of a company in Vancouver, just where a bunch of my friends, they used to get together to play hockey and COVID was taking that away after work. You have kind of, uh, so what do you do? So they came up with the idea. Let's, you know, every once a week or every two weeks we get together and they play an online game together. You can have some drinks. You can talk to your coworkers a little outside of work. Cause sometimes some of those conversations happen, you know, as Sherman's mentioned, like while you're having coffee or after when you're staying late or whatever, that human connection. So is there a way to kind of have that, you know, connection through, through something new? Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of, uh, you know, COVID cocktail hour and, uh, you know, coffee, coffee chats and things like that, the open house things, 
even some companies using breakout rooms to right people can jump into a breakout room with someone else to chat yeah it's it's not uh, as ideal as in person but it's more convenient for people who aren't in the office but also yeah. creates that connection yeah definitely now obviously there's so many areas we could dive into from a mental health resilience well-being standpoint Tell, tell me a bit more about when the, the movie comes out. Do you have an exact date for the release? We don't have an exact date. We are still waiting on some of the film festival news. I, you know, we're looking by kind of the first week of August. We will have those, you know, announcements. So yeah, fingers crossed. Definitely looking at, you know, some Alberta film festivals as well as Edmonton and Calgary. And yeah, the list goes on. We've submitted to 30. And you can follow us at backhomeagainmovie.com or our same for the Instagram handle and Facebook. And we'll be releasing those announcements and a lot of interviews leading up to that time as well. Yeah. And you, you had, uh, you name dropped a little bit, but there were, there's some big names involved with this movie. Yeah, we got, we, we got some incredible actors that donated their time, uh, to this. And, and that's the big piece is, you know, this could never have come together. And, you know, we got Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hare and Norm Macdonald and Bill Burr, and Kim Basiner. And Tom Green and Marlon Williams, Marlon Wayne, sorry, and Tantu Cardinal and Lauren Cardinal and Gordon Pinson and Ed Asner and Sherry Shepard and uh, Howie Mandel. And I might, might have missed one or two, I'm sure. But yeah, it's just an incredible cast that came together to tell this story. That is fantastic. And again, shows the, the power of community and people working together and collaborating towards a, a common goal. That's fantastic. Oh, thanks so much. And I'm excited to, uh, to see the film when it comes out. The, the trailer is fantastic. And we'll post the, the trailer and the, the website link in our show notes. Amazing. As well as uh, I'll throw up any other links that, that you want to go up there. Being and uh, so just back, you said backhomeagainmovie.com? Yeah. Perfect. Before we wrap up, any other things that do you want to take away messages? Uh, what do you hope people walk away with this, from this episode from or with not just the movie, but what's the, what's your final tidbit of advice? You know, I, I hope we inspire people to do exactly what we did today Tim, of just like having this conversation. You know, I think that's, that's the goal of this is just, you know, to have the opportunity today to talk to you and, and tell us, you know, you know, a little bit about our journey and our story is I hope we can inspire others to do the same and maybe break down some of those walls that exist right now around mental health. Absolutely. Charmaine? And I would just add to what Michael said, to just take a few minutes today, every day, just to do something that honors your resilience, your mental health. And that'll be different for everybody, but just consciously making that effort and taking that time. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. This has been awesome. And I've really enjoyed hearing about the the movie and the, uh, the process and and some of the the tips of mental health and resilience that have come out of that. And I'm looking forward to seeing the final product in fall. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tim, for Thank the you. time today. Thank you for listening to the Working Well podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your experiences and how you've applied tips from the show to your daily life. So please keep us posted on your progress. To stay up to date with new episode releases, make sure to subscribe to our mailing list by emailing podcast at freshgroup.ca and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And once again, I'm Tim Boris with Fresh Wellness Group. 
We'll see you on the next episode.